Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. It is so good to see you all this morning. Some of you are coming in with extra family members that are still hanging out after Thanksgiving, so that is a joy to see you all in your families. Um, hope you guys are able to rest in the peace and presence of the Lord today, this first Sunday of Advent. Welcome to the first Sunday of Advent. It's a little disorienting. It's still November, and um, that can always be a little odd, but today is the first Sunday of Advent. I'm going to invite Dan and Janet Reinhardt. They are going to do our Advent reading, if you guys would come. Um, just to remind you, this is a, 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 we all participate in this reading. We'll have our readers lead us, and then we will all join in as indicated on the screen. Um, and so please come and share with us. The light is coming. We can see glimpses of pink and orange along the horizon, but the sun isn't up yet. There are still long stretches of shadow and places of darkness. The noises of the day are just barely audible as everything and everyone begins to rise. We live in the space between the darkness of a world without Christ and the light of a world with Christ. We see the light coming, yet it hasn't fully come. Isn't it the season of the dawn? While we observe this season as of Christ's birth and of the coming of light, we are reminded that we are still an Advent people. We live in the glow of the dawn. We are no longer people of darkness. We are people of the light, even while Christ's return is still before us. We are all people of the dawn. <clears throat> On the first Sunday of Advent, we light the candle of hope, a reminder of the hope we have in Christ, who came in a stable so long ago. But it's a reminder of the hope we have that Christ will come again. We are people of the light in a world that is so still so often cloaked in darkness. We are people of the light. We have hope that the light has come and that the light is coming. Lord, help us remember that we are people of the dawn, a people of hope. In the places that, are, that still harbor darkness, help us, fight, help us shine your light. And in the places that are already illuminated with your light, help us rejoice. Help us cling to hope through it all. Amen. It's gone. Okay. Okay. Good morning. You guys can stand with us. We're going to sing. I'm just going to open in a really brief prayer this morning. God, thank you so much for this beautiful reminder of your light, that we live in your light. 
these wonderful candles this season of Advent as we come together to celebrate the gift that you gave us of salvation, that you came in humility and emptied yourself and came as a servant and gave your life for us. We're so grateful, God, and we don't want to forget about that. We're going to celebrate this morning. We want to celebrate you, your goodness, your grace, your kindness, and the price that you paid that we could be a redeemed people, that we could be a people of light and not darkness. Amen. Let's celebrate this morning. Joy to the world. from Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9 it says know therefore that the Lord your God is God he is the faithful God keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments amen may that be us Save us all from Satan's power. 
time just the voices and I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder you're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes hope will arise cause death is defeated the king is alive amen
As we um, enter into a time of corporate prayer, I just want to uh, let you all know to be praying for Sydney Allen, who um, early, early this morning was rushed to the emergency room because she was experiencing some bleeding. Um, they were able to discover the problem and do a pretty quick emergency surgery, but um, it was all quick and fairly um, not, I think it was fairly easy and simple to address the issue and get it taken care of. And so now she's already resting and should be going home soon. Um, but we're just praying for her recovery. We're praising the Lord that uh, they got there and that they figured it out quickly and that the Lord was giving them peace through that time of just the unknown. Uh, but I just do want to let you guys know to be praying for the Allen family, be praying for Sydney Allen. It's a stressful time and during her um, where she's at with school, she's heading into a season of finals and all of that, and so um, that's just a lot for her to have to deal with a recovery process on top of that. So let's be praying for her. Um, I know that there are some who are experiencing grief and loss this morning. Um, lots of families have been dealing with a relentless sickness of some kind or another. Um, I would appreciate prayers for our family for that. Uh, it's just one thing after another. You barely get through one, and then you're already dealing with another. And so I know that there are lots of people who are dealing with that um, in cases which are much more severe than ours. So let's continue to lift one another up, uh, remembering our brothers and sisters who are dealing with grief, loss, sickness. Um, the holiday season, let's remember those for whom this is a stressful time of year. I know that not many people can understand why and how this time of year is really depressing for other people, and yet that doesn't change the fact that it is, that it can be. Just because you yourself haven't experienced anything that make the holidays difficult for you, we should understand that there are people um, who just have a really difficult time during this time of year. And so let's remember them. Um, as we are celebrating and singing songs of joy, let's remember those who are struggling to find that joy. Let's pray that Christ would be their joy, even in the midst of darkness and pain and loss. So this morning, I just want to invite you to take a posture that is comfortable for you, where you come before the Lord just fully open and surrendered. If that's here at these altars, there's a place for you. You are welcome. Um, if that's at your seats, then that's totally fine. But I just pray this morning that you would open yourself up before the Lord and we pray for him to meet us here again. Let's pray.
Holy God, we come before you this morning. And we come before you. God, many of us are carrying different burdens this morning. Lord, we've named some of them for you, but we also know that there are burdens that are are being carried in this place which are not named and which are not known to all of us, but we know that they are known to you. And so, God, we just thank you that you see us and you know us. You know the, the burdens and the struggles which we carry. And so, God, I pray that you would draw near to us in a real, powerful way this morning. God, help us to acknowledge your presence in this place. God, we come together this morning as a body, as a body of believers. We come together. We know that we don't come alone. And so we remember our brothers and sisters, those to our right and to our left, and we we consider all of the burdens they are carrying. God, we, we remember those who are experiencing grief and loss. God, we pray for those who are experiencing sickness. God, we pray that you would just bring health and restoration to our bodies. God, we just pray for Sydney this morning as she recovers from her surgery. And Lord, we are just thankful that in the midst of of the chaos and the unknown of what was happening, Lord, that that was able to be resolved fairly quickly um, and and that that was able to happen and take place this morning, God. We just pray for her recovery. Lord, we pray that you would be with her and help her recovery to be smooth and as simple as it can be. I pray, Lord, that she is still able to keep up with schoolwork and that it won't become too stressful or overwhelming for her. God, we pray for those in this room who are experiencing issues of of dysfunction amongst family members. Lord, the holidays with Thanksgiving behind us and Christmas ahead of us, it's sometimes a painful reminder for some that there are things that are just not right in our families. And for many, Lord, that is stressful and difficult. And so God, we lay those things before you. God, help us as we navigate difficult relationships with the people we love. God, help us to fix our eyes on you and to see you in the midst of of those struggles. And help us to respond in a loving, Christ-like way. God, I pray that you would be with those this morning who, for them, the holidays are, are a difficult season. Where they experience just reminders of loss. Or for some, Lord, it's just a reminder of who's not present in their lives. For some, Lord, it's just difficult to look around and to see so much joy and celebration. And and there are many who are alone and who don't have those things. God, would you help us to see those who are lonely, who are isolated? This is where the body of Christ is to be the hands and feet of Christ, drawing near to those who are alone, drawing near to those who are isolated 
drawing near to those who, who might not have anyone to celebrate this season with. God, would you place them upon our hearts? Help us to know the names and faces of those in our midst who are struggling. Help us to be the light of Christ for them, loving them, serving them, seeing them. God, I pray as we open up your word, God, I pray that you would just illuminate the truth of your word for us today. God, help us to see what it is that you are are teaching us. God, on this first Sunday of Advent, as we focus on the hope which we have in Christ, Lord, in a way that only you can, would you help us to experience and feel that hope? God, would you help us to see the hope we have in you, in Christ Jesus, our Lord and King? Holy Spirit, would you help us to see that you give us power to live into these realities which we will speak about today, that you never stop working. You're always moving and working in our lives, helping us to look more like Christ. Help us to be open to what, you want to, to what it is you want to teach us and to what it is you want to do in our lives here and now today. God, we just thank you for your love, seen most fully in the incarnation. Thank you for stepping into our mess and bringing light into this dark world. We look to that light for that light again today. Help us to see you, oh God. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Well, as I shared earlier, and as you could tell from the beginning of the service, today is the first Sunday of Advent. Um, I'm going to share just a little bit more about what that means for those of you who might not be familiar with the season of Advent, or maybe you've heard about the season of Advent uh, for for the past several years of your life, but you're just unsure of of what it is and how it's different uh, from Christmas, so to speak. And the word Advent actually means arrival. So what we are celebrating when we celebrate each Sunday during the season of Advent is we are celebrating the arrival of Christ. And we are celebrating that in the arrival of Christ came peace and hope and joy and love. We, we take each week to acknowledge these qualities and characteristics of Christ that he brought into the world so that you and I can experience the hope of Christ, the love and joy and peace of Christ in our lives. I was reading this week and I really appreciated how Pastor uh, Mikhail Levine, she describes Advent in such a, a perfect way that I just wanted to share that with you. She says, we often assume that Advent is like the Christian countdown to Christmas or the the Christian, the church equivalent of how many shopping days do we have left? She says, while the season does begin four Sundays prior to Christmas, we aren't just preparing ourselves for Christ coming as a baby. 
But the season of Advent is preparation of people who live in the in-between, where we look back on Christ's birth, but we look forward to when Christ will come again. She, she names something that, that is definitely true during the season of Advent. She talks about how as a result of this, the scriptures which we look at during the season of Advent feel pretty unchristmassy, if you will. You're going to notice this today, but oftentimes the scriptures of Advent are not those cozy uh, scriptures of Christ's birth that we have become so fond of. But instead, they are prophetic words of judgment against the oppressive earthly powers, and they are proclamations of the justice and peace that will replace these powers in God's kingdom. She says, Advent is not so much a season of light and hope while we are reminded of these things, but it's also a season that teaches us how to wait in the dark. During Advent, we recognize that God comes to us not in the way or timeline we expect, but in the way we need. Advent teaches us that the best things, forming new life, making people whole, restoring the world, these things cannot be rushed. And this is all a necessary preface, especially for today's text, which I'm just going to warn you, it's going to feel downright unchristmassy and not cozy. So you've been warned, and I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning as we read from Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. These are the words of the Apostle Paul, who says, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This is a section in Romans, which comes just after, you'll notice by that language that that starts off this passage, he says, and do this. What he's referring to is, is all of this teaching and preaching he has just shared, he has just delivered, and he has spent a great deal of time, almost 13 chapters, talking about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can go back and, and make your way through the, the first part of the book of Romans. Well, it's the majority, actually. But, but Paul is talking about what it means for Christians to live into the gospel and salvation of Jesus Christ, our Lord. He has taught, he has spent a great deal of time teaching the Christians in Rome that they are not to conform to the ways of this world in this well-known passage in, in Romans 12, but he says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives and works within you. And as a result, Paul talks about how as a result, comes a life of faithful serving, which is a life that Christians ought to live. And Paul talks about the gifts that are given from the Holy Spirit and how transformed followers of Jesus can now live 
in the way of love. And so in this chapter, he goes into, he begins going into the practicalities of what that looks like. In chapter 13, leading up to the passage which we just read. And we'll unpack this passage further, but first, I couldn't help but notice right away, this was very Advent-esque, if you will, I couldn't help but notice the tension that Paul describes between night and day. Paul describes this tension between day and night. He says, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. You probably noticed that in Paul's culture, not much different from ours, Paul is dealing with certain things that happen during the nighttime, which we can see and understand in our own world today, right? Paul sees things that are going on amongst the Christians in Rome, and he's calling them out. He, he calls out the things that happen in darkness, things like the parties and the drunkenness and the indulgence and the lack of restraint, the sexual promiscuity, etc. These are behaviors which you typically don't see during the day, but this is behavior of darkness, right? We can acknowledge that just like Paul was acknowledging that. These are practical examples of things that Paul was seeing amongst the church, in the church, that people purposely avoided during the day. And this is certainly an issue worth addressing for Paul, and it's probably still one that's worth addressing today as not much has changed overall, right? But then Paul goes on further, you may have noticed, and he, he talks about and touches on things that aren't limited to nighttime behaviors, he starts talking about dissension and jealousy. And we are quickly aware that these things are not just things that happen at nighttime. These things can happen anytime, right? We are all subjected to feeling of, feelings of dissension and jealousy. And yet, they're equally significant. They're worth mentioning together because Paul says this is also problematic and these behaviors are also forbidden. I appreciate this reminder that Paul is, is talking to both people, those who participate in the behaviors of darkness and those who might look at those behaviors and look down upon them with shame and yet are feel, filled with feelings of dissension, bitterness, jealousy. And Paul is saying, don't think you're so good and holy and mighty because those things are forbidden as well. Paul is saying to the church in Rome, to Christians in Rome. This is important. This is something I'm going to say a lot today because this is the message of what Paul is trying to say. Paul is looking to Christians. He's writing to them, but he is looking at them with love. And he is saying to them, listen, it's time to wake up. He's saying, church, Christians, it's time to wake up because the day is coming. The dawn is here, and it's time to stop living as people of the night, as people who are asleep, and instead wake up and live as people of the day. This language is really interesting that Paul chooses to use. It's interesting and helpful to understand that according to ancient philosophers, a soul that was inattentive to spiritual things was considered to be a soul that was asleep. And so I appreciate how, how Paul used language that the original audience would have really connected with and understood. 
Even if they didn't have that church background or that churchy language history, they would understand what Paul is saying. He's saying, you're not paying attention to the work of the Spirit in your life, and therefore you are still sleeping. And Paul is is telling the church, he's saying, church, if the light has come, which by the way, it has, and if we are children of the light, which by the way, we are, if we are followers of Jesus, then we are awakened Right? And you can no longer justify living in the darkness because you are now walking in the dawn of Christ's light. Perhaps for Paul, maybe, maybe not, maybe for him it's a callback to Jesus' words in Mark chapter 13 when Jesus says some somewhat ominous things. He says, speaking of the return of the Son of Man, he said, if he comes suddenly... Do not let him find you sleeping. So we see that language again, this attention to being awake versus being asleep. See, Paul is dealing with the frustrating issues which we deal with even here today, where those who claim to be followers of Jesus, this doesn't go for those who who do not claim to be followers of Jesus. The world is going to live how the world lives. Right? And if they're not following Jesus, we don't expect them to live like Jesus. That's pretty simple, right? You might still expect this of them, but, but that's not realistic. Paul is speaking to Christians, to those who say they are followers of Jesus, and yet they are still living in the present world, the present age, the old world, rather than embracing this new age, this new world, living a life in the light that has come in Jesus. So he says, it's time to wake up. See, Paul, while teaching those in Rome what it looks like to walk in Christ, he recognizes that there is so much tension here. And I appreciate that because we talk a lot about the tension here, right? We talk a lot about this tension, which we are very well aware exists as as we consider all that Jesus has done and, and as we look forward to all that he will do. We consider his coming and we look forward to his coming again. Paul acknowledges those same tensions in this passage when he talks about things, tensions like day and night. Did you notice that? Of course, we, we just spent time talking about that, but then he talks about light and darkness, right? He talks about being awake versus being asleep. He talks about putting on and taking off. He acknowledges that this present time which we are living in is a time of tension because the light has come, Christ has come, but there's this in-between space where we are waiting for his coming again. This could also be understood or called a time where where there's a thin veil, right? There's just this thin veil that divides a world of sin and suffering from the world of, of glory and wholeness and fullness in Christ. And you and I, we're really familiar with this thin veil, right? You may not be aware, but, but I think we are. You might not realize how aware we are of this thin veil, but listen, yes, a couple thousand years and some cultural differences may divide us from this original audience, yet we are still aware that we are a people who are well acquainted with the sin and suffering of the world. Amen? It affects us. 
It affects us. We are aware of the sin and suffering of the world, and yet we are also aware at the same time, we are aware of the power of the Holy Spirit and the resurrection of Christ that defines our reality as a community of faith. So we too are still living in the midst of this thin veil, this dawn of the coming reign of Christ, where flesh and spirit are still opposing. And this is where Paul gets practical, okay? This is where Paul gets really practical in his teaching. He starts talking about, he talks about the ways of the former life, right? The ways of living in darkness before Christ. And he talks about how we are to respond to the light of Christ that has come. And so he gets really practical and he says, there are things you need to take off. He says in, in the NIV, which we just read, we said put aside, but it's the same thing as taking off, just like you take off a coat, right? It's the same thing. That's, I think that's the idea that Paul wants us to have. You shed it, you take it off, except don't put it back on, right? Get rid of it. Take off these things that keep you from living life as Christ has called you to live, church. That's what Paul is saying. He says, take off this notion of eat, drink, and be merry, right? Everything is meaningless. It doesn't matter. Live. You only live once. Just enjoy life. Eat, drink, and be merry. No cares in the world. Paul says, take it off. It's not helpful for a Christian who is living in in the time in between. Take off this notion. He says, take off that of drunkenness. Take off that of sexual immorality and promiscuity. Take off your discord. Take off your strife. Take off jealousy and bitterness. Essentially, Paul is saying, take off anything that simply gratifies the flesh and feels good in that moment. Take it off and put on that which is Christ-like. Just like you're taking off an item of clothing, it's time to pick up a new one and put it on. Put on that which is Christ-like. Clothe yourself in the character and nature of Jesus. What does it look like for us to put on the character and nature of Jesus? It's almost too simple of an analogy. Like the analogy is almost so simple that we might miss the profound truth that's in such a simple analogy of taking something off and putting something on, just like you would take off a jacket and put on a Christmas sweater or whatever, right? But what does it look like for us to put on the character and nature of Christ? As I was thinking about this, we could sit and name several ways in which we can put on the character and nature of Christ, but I thought about the ones that really stand out to me, the ones that we often neglect, I thought about rhythms like slowly walking through the Gospels with Jesus, which is something we just did. We just spent the past six months, and we could have spent the entire year, by the way, walking through the Gospel of Luke, where each week we we stopped, we paused, and we acknowledged the different ways that Christ was at work, the different ways which he loved and served and saw and freed Right, And I think one of the ways that we can put on the character and nature of Christ is by adding that to your normal daily reading or however you do your daily devotionals. Make that a part of that time always. Always include walking through the Gospels because then there's nothing standing in between you and, and this front row seat to how Jesus lived and how he loved. 
I'm not saying throw the rest of it out, but this is something that I think oftentimes we, we neglect, and this is a way we can put on the character and nature of Christ. Another way we can put on the character and nature of Christ as Paul is encouraging it is through approaching your, your, your time in the word a little bit differently. One of the ways that, that we describe this is, is Lectio Divina, which is a way of reading scripture that, that's not just like, here's my reading for the day, and I'm going to read it, and I'm going to check the box that I did it, and I'm going to move on. But the rhythm of the Lectio Divina helps us to pause, to be open, to listen to, to have a time of reflective listening. It's, it's taking the posture that is alert to the voice of God. It's a time that is meant to be contemplative and formational as you just sit and open yourself up to God with no agenda. You're not seeking to master the text that you're reading or the passage that you're reading for the day, but you're opening yourself up to letting it master you. You're opening yourself up to the ways that the Spirit of God wants to work. This is neglected because for us, it doesn't feel necessary. We live in, in a time and a day and age where we cannot sit still for very long. And I think the younger we are, the more difficult this is for us, right? I acknowledge that, that I feel like that is not productive of my time, right? I need to be productive. I need to be doing something that feels productive and just sitting and waiting and listening sometimes for several minutes. That doesn't feel productive, but oh, how much it is. And we neglect this sitting and posturing ourselves open before God. I think another way we can put on the character and nature of Christ, this is a way that I think Paul would, would certainly support is remembering our baptism, right? If you've been baptized, it's just as simple as remembering your baptism. One time during a sermon, I heard a preacher talk about how one of his congregants, he visited his house, and he saw that in his home, he built a shrine around a picture of his baptism. Like he literally had framed in his home a picture of his baptism and he dedicated all of this space, there were these candles and it was like a shrine to his baptism. And at first the preacher was like, that's a little weird. No, that's odd, tell me about this. And it was simply the man's way of saying, this is how I remember every day my baptism. Every day I remember that I have, I have been buried with Christ and I have been raised to new life in Christ. And so that's his way of putting on the character and nature of Christ every single day, remembering your baptism. Paul talks about this in Galatians 3, and the, the, the language is interesting. Paul says that we have been baptized into Christ and we therefore have clothed ourselves with Christ. We have clothed ourselves with Christ. The last thing I would share, again, this is just barely scratching the surface, and the last thing I would share is certainly not least, but it's just leaning into a rhythm of, of prayer, which is kind of an obvious duh, and repentance, right? And by that, I mean, I am not up here suggesting that you do more things and just try harder. Right? That's not what I'm suggesting. 
But prayer and repentance is a way that we can lean into these different means of grace, which I just shared with you, which help us to experience more of God's grace, which is at work in our lives. It's leaning into the work of the Holy Spirit that never stops working and moving and transforming. Listen, I love Christmas just as much as the next person. I love the cozy aspects of Christmas. I was in my happy place last night as we finished decorating the house and watched a Christmas movie with the kids. It was nice and cozy. The only thing that was missing was a fireplace. It was perfect, and I love those moments. I appreciate Christmas. I appreciate the season. But I think sometimes the Christian loses perspective when we approach the Christmas season and we just want what's comfy and cozy and makes us feel warm and fuzzy, right? I think we're missing so much when that's what we expect of the Christmas season. And so from our text this morning, I would remind you that Paul, in this passage, is talking about daily Christ-like living. This is not just for the Christmas season. This is an appropriate passage for Advent, for this in-between time, but this is also instruction for everyday living for the Christian. This is not just a Christmas message or one of the Christmas messages. It's the message for the Christian for everyday living. And Christmas for the Christian is celebrating the first coming of Christ, the light in the darkness, but it's also recognizing, church, that Jesus didn't just come to make things cozy. Jesus' coming was anything but cozy, starting with the manger scene. We won't even get into it. That was not a cozy scene as much as our modern-day manger scenes might depict. Jesus came not to make things cozy. His coming was going to disrupt a lot of power and authority that exists in the world. And while we can appreciate, certainly, the cozy aspects of the Christmas season, we can recognize also that it's not the point of the Christmas season. We're talking about daily Christ-like living. And for the Christian, that means taking off things that are not the nature and character of Christ and putting on that which is the character and nature of Christ. This isn't a way of living that's once a year, right? This isn't a way of living that's once a month or even once a week. This is daily Christ-like living. Church, the sun is rising. The light has come, as Paul says. The day is nearing. It's time to wake up, to take off the things of the old life and to put on the character and nature of Christ. I'm almost done, but I just want to acknowledge again how the traditional Advent passages are often ominous and apocalyptic sounding. But it's important for us to remember that these messages were not meant to induce fear. And so a lot of times we avoid reading these messages, these passages that are selected for Advent, 
Because we look at them and we think, that brings me fear. That does not give me warm, cozy, fuzzy feelings. But we're actually reading them and interpreting them wrongly if they induce a a feeling of fear within us. Take, for instance, the other passage we could have looked at today from Matthew 24, verses 36 through 44. I'm not going to read all of it, but you talk about a a not cozy, downright un-Christmassy passage Jesus talks about the return of the Son of Man, how it's going to be like the flood, the days up until the flood where people were eating and drinking and marrying and no one had a care in the world, and then bam, right? And so we think of that and we're like, that is not warm and cozy. And also, you're welcome for choosing the the least ominous apocalyptic passage for the first Sunday of Advent. I took it easy on you today. But these passages are not about fearing an apocalypse, That's not what these passages are meant to do. These passages are about distinguishing between behaviors for the Christian that are helpful from those which are not helpful for those of us who are living in this in-between time. See, we, the people of Christ, we don't live in fear of his coming again. Rather, we live as though he has already returned We live as though the light already rules the world. We are people of the dawn. We are people of advent. We live in hope, even while we still see the shadow of darkness. As we close this morning, I'll say it again, that celebrating the season of advent is celebrating that the light is coming And I love how I have a picture to, see, some of you, I think, don't get up before the sun rises, and so I thought you might like to see what a sunrise looks like, have it fresh in your mind. And so some of you have been up for hours by the time the sun comes up. I like to get in just before, like just barely before. I barely miss it, or I barely bake it. But I have this picture of of a sunrise that I was able to capture from my living room window, so it's not the most picturesque picture of a sunrise, but, but if you look at that picture, you may be able to notice the pink and the orange along the horizon, right? The sun is, is making its way, but it's not fully awake yet. It's not fully experienced just yet at this moment. You see the glimpses and the burst of color, the glimpses of light. Friends, that picture is an idea of where we find ourselves in the season of Advent. There are still long stretches of shadows and places of darkness, right? You can see the contrast. We feel that. In fact, when I took this picture, it was a a season of my life where I felt mostly just, at at the sake of almost sounding too dark, like it was just a season of, of kind of hopelessness and just feeling more of the darkness, I guess, just more of that than the light. And one morning I happened to see this picture and I just took a picture of it because it brought me hope. It was a reminder that the light is coming, that it has come and it's continuing to come and a new day is here. On this first Sunday of Advent, we lit this candle of hope. We lit this candle of hope and it's a reminder of the hope we have in Christ who came but also it's a reminder of the hope we have in Christ who will come again. It's a reminder that we are people of light in a world that is still so cloaked in darkness. 
That's a reminder that we are called to live, love, serve, celebrate, mourn, and grieve all in the light of hope. The light has come, and the light is coming. I'm going to invite the praise team to come, and we're going to sing in a moment one of my favorites, the goodness of of God. And as we prepare to sing this song, I thought it would be appropriate to remind you. As you prepare a time of, of reflection and response, I wanted to remind you that that we can sit and remind ourselves how we are to posture ourselves as Advent people, as followers of Jesus who live in the light of Christ's coming, right? We can talk about that, but it's also important for us to take that posture acknowledging that it's God who has done all of this good work, that we can't do anything. We respond to all that God has done. Right? We respond to God's goodness and faithfulness, and we are reminded that he came to us. He stepped into our darkness and brought light and hope. Right? We didn't go seeking him. He came and found us in our darkness. And I have to share this verse from, from Romans 5. It's, it's, it's such an appropriate Pauline reminder. Paul says, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I love this. He says, you see, at just the right time, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He says, very rarely will someone die for a godly person, for a good person? Maybe you might find someone who's willing to die for a fellow good person, but you're never gonna find anyone who's willing to die for an ungodly person, for, an un, for a person who's not righteous. But Paul says, but God, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The light has come to us, friends, and we stand in the hope of that light that continues to come and is coming. Will you respond to that light and that goodness this morning? Amen. Will you stand with us as we sing, if you're able?
be seated. Thank you all so much. God, we just thank you for the ways in which you move in our midst and in our lives, and we just thank you, God, that you are faithful even when we are not. God, I just pray that as we continue to live in the light of your coming, Jesus, I pray that you would help us to see the hope 
that is found in you and in you alone. God, we will look to other things to fulfill us and to bring us hope, something we can cling and hold on to. But the reality is the world is wasting away and we cling to things that won't last. And so, Jesus, I pray that that we would find our true hope in you. I pray that as we look for you, Jesus, that you would make yourself known to us and help us to see the ways in which you are at work all around us. Help us to see that light and to share it with others. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, it is the first Sunday of Advent, but it's also the last Sunday of November. And for those of you who have been here, uh, you might know that we have been taking a few extra moments at the end of the service to just acknowledge um, a couple of people who I am thankful for, who Nikki is thankful for as we uh, lead here and as we do ministry here. You just find that there are people who you look to and they feel like it feels like you couldn't do this without them. There are people who just stand out, and there are so many people, but we just wanted to take a few moments to recognize um, just a few of you all, even though we do appreciate you all. And so this morning, um, I'm going to ask, maybe I know it's always tricky when I move down to the platform, but or to the floor, but I'm going to ask this morning uh, for Kathy Dothager and Mike Peters to come and join me this morning. Mike, all those days of you playing games with our checks like this... Oh, yeah, you're okay. Go ahead. Your chances are a lot better than mine. <laughs> I was going to say bringing you up here is my revenge, but you go first. Oh, this is what we do every week. Nope, nope. See, and every week it's the last time, too. But you also didn't grab the right oh. one. <laughs> this is yours. Kathy, come join Mike. Uh, today, I wanted to um, take a few moments to acknowledge Kathy and Mike. And today is, okay, we're moving over, moving over. Come over here, guys. I know it's hard to accommodate all the things. Kathy and Mike are two behind-the-scenes people, and, and you don't see a lot of what they do. A lot of the things they do, you see, but there is so much more that they do that you just have no idea. But I see it. And I appreciate these two. Kathy comes in every single week and just does so many things. Last week, just for instance, last week as we're passing each other, we're always, you know, hustling and bustling around here. And last week she was wearing Kathy's hat. She was wearing Doug Dothager's hat as Sunday school teacher. She was wearing Karen Dissett's hat. And she was wearing Mike's hat. <laughs> last week she was wearing multiple hats doing multiple things. But Kathy comes in and does so much behind the scenes. Like, I, I want to share some of those things, and yet it just doesn't even scratch the surface. She keeps us organized she keeps us on task, on track. She notices the things that, that we have kind of let fall to the wayside sometimes. Kathy sees people. She notices them. She notices those who are often overlooked, and she shows up for them. And that, more than anything, is what blesses me as a pastor, because I see people like Kathy and Mike, and I think, I want to be like them. I want to serve and love like them. Mike does so many behind-the-scenes things. Mike is our treasurer, but these two work as a team when it comes to our finance. Mike puts in a lot of hours coming to pay us <laughs> and to pay our bills of the church. 
He comes in and he, he oftentimes slips in when no one sees him. He just comes in after work, after a long day. He's had a stressful day, a stressful week, but he still comes and pays attention to the bills and the paychecks. These two work as a team to, to work out all the, the difficult financial things that keeps a ministry going and running. They work as a team. Mike has done so many things around this building over the years, things that, that have been done before I even came. I know he had a hand in helping with a lot of stuff in Kid City. He helped remodel the bathrooms and practically build the bathrooms. Mike Peters is someone who, when he sees of a need, he drops everything, and he's usually the first person there. He shows up right away. He's the first person there, and he is faithful. He lovingly and faithfully serves his family, but he lovingly and faithfully serves the people of this church. And so, Kathy, Mike, I see you. I appreciate you both so much. This is a tiny uh, token of my appreciation for you all, but thank you so much for all that you do. Can we share our, show our appreciation for them? Well, okay, I'm going to sound like a broken record because I say this every week, but we really have a lot of super talented musical people in this church. It's amazing. And singers is another thing that's hard to come by in a lot of environments. My last church, it was just me and the guy who was the leader, and I had to sing every week because we didn't have any other singers. That went on for a couple of years. So when I came here and I just saw the list of names of all the people that sing, I was just like, wow, this is awesome. So there's so many amazing people. I'm thankful for all of you. You guys are awesome. Um, I just wanted to share quickly a verse that has just been on my heart since Nicole wanted to honor the volunteers because, where's the Bible? It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So I just wanted to share that. That really blesses me that this church has so many gifted and wonderful people, and every single one of you has a gift to bring. So hopefully this is inspirational to see these people using their gifts for the common good of the body. But um, the first person that came to my mind, as out there as it is, when Nicole brought this up was uh, one of the singers that we have just always has a great attitude, always encouraging and positive. We have some stressful rehearsals. We have some technical difficulties. I've never seen this person get cranky or upset. They're always smiling, just a joy to be around. And I love just a very unassuming and humble approach that um, he always says to me, thank you for letting me sing. So I know you know I'm talking about you now, Ron. Can you please come up here? <laughs> so Ron has such a great attitude, you guys. He's my favorite person to work with because he's just so positive all the time. Literally, if you ask any ministry leader to describe their ideal volunteer, it would be you, Ron. I really appreciate you. Thank you for singing with me. <laughs> yes. But I love it. And I also want to honor Rick. Can you come up here real quick, Rick? I'm sorry. Rick is just such a lot of experience. You guys know all the talents and wisdom that he has. He's been such a support for me when I need a break. It's a joy. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. 
It's such a joy to be able to worship in the congregation with you guys, which I don't get to do very often, but thanks to Rick and other people like him, I've had that opportunity, and I love it. And just you guys are such an encouragement to me. I really could not do this without all of you, but especially these people on my team. And I really appreciate you, Ron and Rick. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, um, everyone. I know there are so many who serve, and I know there are so many of you who serve without the expectation of recognition. Um, But I wanted to make this a yearly tradition because I think it's important to acknowledge um, those who are representation of a Christ-like servant. And so we just wanted to um, make sure that we do that. So before we finish up with announcements, um, this is the last Sunday of November. It's going to be the last Sunday where um, we are trying to get in our um, world evangelism fund to to kind of seal that up. And so we're going to share one more video uh, for you this morning. Father, send me. This is the prayer that the Church of the Nazarene has prayed from the very beginning as she sent her people into the world, a world that desperately needs Christ's transformational love. Today, we are part of a global movement in which God is actively redeeming his creation, restoring the broken through his beautiful gift of salvation offered to all. We have been called to partner with him in this movement. This is why Nazarene Missions exists to share his love, compassion, and peace as we start new Nazarene churches around the world. Entire communities are being transformed through the partnerships and relationships developed by our local churches. Nazarene missionaries are partnering with local ministers and lay leaders to bring restoration, share the gospel, and build sustainability within these communities. As each church body is developed, Nazarene Missions provides ongoing resources that help the church be effective in ministry and outreach. Our partnership ensures that the local church has a collective and immediate impact, an impact that will last for generations to come. You and I are vital to this movement, a movement that is answering the call to make Christ-like disciples in the nations. This is only made possible through your prayer, your partnership, and your generous sacrificial giving. Nazarene Missions is a movement of God through the people of God. Amen. A movement of God through the people of God. So as I said, um, if you are wanting to give, if you haven't had that chance all month long, this is just your final reminder. Um, You'll just make a special note, however you may choose to give for uh, just WEF or WEF, World Evangelism Fund, that lets us know that your giving is going specifically toward um, that. And we are just appreciative of the reminder that we are a global body, um, that we are all in this together, and that we support one another. Um, And so that's what we are doing. Uh, Moving right along with announcements before we dismiss this morning, um, you may have noticed that Christmas this year falls on a Sunday, Uh, one of those rare things that doesn't happen very often, and so we will be gathering on Christmas Day to celebrate as a church family the birth and coming of our Lord. Um, You are all invited and welcome. I know that logistically that's really tricky for a lot of families, and so here's the deal. 
We want you to come and we want you to understand that the expectations for this service are, are going to be that of more like a Christmas Eve service. So because Christmas is on a Sunday, we're not going to have a Christmas Eve service this year. Instead, we're just going to celebrate on that Sunday. Um, and we want you to know that that's going to be more of a Christmas Eve kind of service. So if your kids are still in their pajamas because that's just the way that Christmas morning goes, bring them in their pajamas. You go ahead and get dressed, but bring your kids in their pajamas because that's appropriate for a child. It's fine. It's Christmas. Um, We'll still have coffee here. We want you to not stress about coming to church on Christmas, but we hope that it would just be one of those rare joys where you get to come and celebrate with your church family. It's going to be a lovely morning, and so I did just want to make sure that you're aware of that. Uh, Same time, no Sunday school. We're just showing up 1030, um, and we'll kind of keep that to be a shorter service and meaningful for you, okay? Um, Advent books are available still. It's not too late. Today's the first Sunday of Advent. You're not missing anything just yet, and so um, you can get those for $6. Kathy has some of those available still. She still has her Karen hat on, so you can see Kathy, um, and you can get one of those if you're interested. $6, um, if I didn't say that already. Uh, The Christmas choir practice will be this Thursday. That's at 6 p.m. For those of you who attended the first one, just letting you know that's going to be again this week. If you weren't able to make it to that first one, but you're interested, you can still sign up. It's not too late. Let Sandy know um, so that she can be prepared for you. And that'll be this Thursday at 6 right here in the sanctuary. Um, We still need, this is where I'm going to get a little serious with you. Are you listening? I'm putting my Trisha face on now. We still need several gift cards for the Restore Network. So as you know, our church, we are the only church that does this out of all the partner churches with Restore. We've always been able to handle this, and so we say, we got it. Don't don't partner or pair anyone up. We can do this. BFCN can collect all these gift cards for you. That's 70 $25 gift cards. I think we have 21 22, 22. Um, So those are due next week, and we still need a lot, okay? So I am just pleading with you, if you have not been able to do that yet, it's okay, but just know we still very much need gift cards, okay? So today, your instruction, if you go out to lunch after church, pick up a $25 gift card while you're there and bring that to us next week um, so that we can make sure that we get to those 70 We greatly appreciate it. We know Restore Network appreciates it, so I did just want to let you know. I'll try to send you some updates throughout the week so you can know where we're at. If if there are those of you who would like to maybe fill in the gap and pick up some extras, I'll keep you posted on what we have and what we need, okay? Uh, Finally, this morning, uh, Lunch Bunch will meet this Wednesday, um, the 30th. That is at noon at Easy Buffet. If you are available, we'd love to have you join us um, for Lunch Bunch. And with that, I'm going to invite you all to stand this morning to receive this benediction. Brothers and sisters in Christ, may you go in the joy and the hope of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May you walk in the light and walk as though the light has come and is coming. Share that light with those around you this week. You are loved. You are dismissed. Have a great day.